the B2B Podcast with Bobby Mullaney and Brian Mayroll. B2B Podcast here again. Um, Bobby, this and we have Brian here uh, coming live from Newport Beach, and I am in Thousand Oaks. It's Good Friday for those that are religious folks out there. Others, it's Passover, which is, again, a day of uh, religious uh, whatever it may be, but that really <laughs> is not important because it's the B2B Podcast. Uh, today we are lucky to have russell anthony russell is a one in six of one of six children a true rags to riches story actually at age 31 he's accomplished things that i've i've heard a lot from brian that are things that people have overcome that go through a lifetime started three to four companies it's kind of amazing but this guy has lost a way too much weight and he looks like how he is which is a beautiful specimen of a of a, of a person i'm pretty uh psyched to do this uh, but yeah here with russell anthony russell how you doing i'm doing great thanks for thanks for having me and thank you brian absolutely um to just top off what bobby said russell has lost a lot of weight ladies he's a successful young man looking thin uh, lean mean fighting machine <laughs> But on, on top of that, um, Russell and I met only about a week or two ago at a Tony Robbins event. We were both volunteering for that. And when you're around like-hearted, like-minded people, um, the world just kind of brings you together and we're stoked to have him on the podcast. Yeah. I'm really stoked to be here. You know, I haven't done any of this kind of self-promotional thing for a while. In fact, until June, I had been off social media completely for years. Uh, it just so happened that I did this 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 weird uh, fitness competition thing through my gym where at the end we all took naked pictures. Naked pictures. Naked pictures. I mean, I was covered, you know, okay. I, I was a little humble, you know, so I covered myself. Um, you didn't want but to show the, the Johnson. Yeah. Yeah. So couldn't go full nude, you know, but I went as nude as I could while still sharing on Facebook. And, um, but then the goal was ultimately whoever, you know, raised the most money and got the most votes, we would raise money for the charity of our choice. Nice. And uh, the charity I was representing is one that I'm a big fan of. It's the midnight mission up in LA. I used to go up there once a month and, you know, we feed about 800 homeless people wow. in a few hours. And, uh, and, you know, the past few years I've been pretty busy with work and I, you know, I had my first full-time job and, you know, I, I didn't feel right taking a full day from the company every day when it wasn't my company to take from. So kind of slowly stopped doing that. So once I had the opportunity to support them through this charity event, you know, I went, I went uh, balls out yeah. for the occasion. Oh, nice. You like, you like, you like how yeah, I like that one. It's like, it's like, dude, you went, you did positive nudes. Like usually nudes are like a negative thing if they get out, but you did, you, you turn nudes into like a positive thing. I've never really cool. heard of a man sending a negative nude. You know, it's usually, yeah, when, you know, you never know. They're usually, never I mean, know. listen, you, people are usually pretty receptive when you send dick pic. Right. You know, I've never, I've never done it. I'm not going to lie. Um, <laughs> I, I beg that's you the do. point. <laughs> um, so Russell, uh, why don't you give a quick intro of so the listeners know, like kind of what you're doing, um, who you are, kind of like what, like if someone were to ask you, Russell, what do you do right now? Give a, give the listeners like a quick rundown of what you do in like a quick, like minute, two minute, uh, intro. All right. So I'm going to try to resist the urge to define myself simply by what I do for work. Uh, okay. I feel like that's a trap I've been falling into too much. You got and, that, Bob? Uh, it's actually the opposite of what I want to do and, and who I want to be, you know? So if, if I, if I'm going to tell you what I do, I'm probably trying to define who I am as a person more so than what I do to pay my mortgage. Um, so let's see, I mean, I'm sober. I've been sober over seven years. I don't drink. I don't do drugs. I used to, I had a lot of fun, got in a lot of trouble. You know, we can go more into that if you want to. Uh, I don't do that anymore. I try to be a good friend. I've got the best friends in the world. I love them to death. I try to keep them close, have a lot of fun. Uh, I work out, I go to the gym, I train in a place called Stark in Irvine. They're amazing. Uh, I'm super grateful to work there, work out there because it's tailored for like CEOs and high powered business people. And I'm the 31 year old kid that's lucky enough to be working out there. Um, I have a dog named Charlie, love him to death. I love what hiking. Kind of, what kind of dog? He's a pomino. So it's like a Ooh. double Pomeranian, big yeah. 20 pound, uh, fluff ball, real oh, sweet, big uh, he's a rescue. You know, he's got a, the biggest heart and, uh, I'm into hiking. I'm into trail running. Uh, I'm into Spartan races. I'm going for the trifecta this year. Um, again, that's kind of weird for me to say because I used to be almost 400 pounds. Um, my line of business is software. You know, I've, I've been doing it for, believe it or not, almost 20 years. Um, and, 
you know, it, it's fun for me because I, I, I learn and grow. I basically do puzzles for a living. It's kind of how I like to look at it. And then I like to take things to the next level of solving real business problems, you know, helping other engineers kind of grow, take their game to the next level. And, uh, yeah, that pretty much, uh, defines the main things that I do with my time. I'm sure I missed I like a couple it. things, but it's a good start. Would you say, uh, I mean, what would you say your passion is? My passion, my passion at the end of the day, it's gotta be helping people. I know that probably sounds cheesy and if I come up with a better answer, I'll let you know. Um, but the reason I'd say that is my passion is because there's a lot of things I can get excited about. You know, I can go to the gym every day and I can get stoked on it. I can look in the mirror and feel buff and get stoked on it. I can build some really cool software and get stoked on it. I can read a good book and get stoked on it. You know, I can hang out with friends and, and have a really good time. Um, but what I found is that, you know, I could put all of my time and energy into helping myself, you know, and getting into better shape, having more fun, making more money. Um, I can and I have tried putting all of my time into just helping myself, you know, and, and it, you know, gets you some results. But what I found is it drains my energy. At the end of the day, I'm tired. You know, you want to hang out. I'm too stressed out. I'm too tired. I'm too busy. You know, I don't have time for that. I could take that same energy and put it into helping someone else. And when I'm done, I have just as much energy as when I started. You know, I've doubled my energy. And it's like there's this pool that I can take from it and it replenishes itself if I'm using it to try to help other people and do good, which ultimately maybe it's not helping people because I'm selfish. You know, I want to feel good. I want to live a good life. I want to have more energy. And when I'm doing things to give back and put good out into the world, I feel a hell of a lot better. So I guess my passion is feeling fucking awesome. You know, uh, <laughs> one way that I do that is by trying to find ways to help other people. I love it, man. I love it. Um, I think part of what I enjoyed when I first met you and then, you know, the time that we spent together at the airport is just how open hearted you are and you can kind of sense that about you. So, um, that's why I was most stoked to keep the connection going and get you on the podcast. So selfishly, I just wanted to hear where you come from. Yeah. Um, so I, I obviously did not get to meet you at the airport. Um, so I'm going to come from a, a different perspective here. Um, so Russell, like growing up, obviously like to go through all those things and then kind of get to where you're at. Um, just to give some background, like you told us you do like a lot of coding and a lot of you do, you work with software. How did you kind of get involved with that? And why did you get involved with that? I would, I would almost go as far back as like, where did the drive come from? Right. Right. Cause like, cause when we were talking at dinner, you went into like where everything stems from, like your background. And I think to understand where Russell like chose to get into software, what have you, there was a reason why. Gotcha. Yeah. So let's go into that really quick too. Cause I find it, I find listening to that is awesome. So in software terms, there's this concept of the 10 Xer, right? And it's the engineer that gets 10 times as much done as everyone else. There's studies around it. How do you create a 10X or how does it work? I think Google's done a big study on it. And really what they found is that it comes from two different paths. And I might not quote this perfectly, but the general idea is there's two people that become 10Xers. One group of the people are those who are genuinely curious and interested in it. They do it in their spare time. It's fun. They do it as a hobby. Uh, the other group of people, and I don't, again, I don't know what the bridge is. They tend to come from different backgrounds in computer science. They tend to start in like, you know, um, history or, 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 or um, what's another economics or philosophy Interesting. and they somehow bridge into computer, but they're very, they're people that are very smart to begin with and they somehow make that leap. And I don't know um, the exact definition of what it is that makes, but I do know I fall into that first category. So as a kid, I was a big time gamer. All I wanted to do was play video games and I was about 10 or 11 years old. I started playing Starcraft online, you know, my 56 K modem. So, Back in the day, you know, I'd go home from school, I'd start playing StarCraft. My mom would be mad at me for not doing my chores. She'd pull the internet wire out of the modem. I'd get disconnected. I hate you, mom. That's and, bad. You know, and then eventually I get back on the internet and eventually I formed a clan. And, you know, for me as a kid, a clan was a group of friends that played StarCraft together. Um, right. I had no friends. Uh, I was a very shy, awkward uh, kid. I was nerdy. You know, I, I, I was afraid to talk to people. I was always thinking, why don't you like me? 
Why, what's the strategy to, to make people like you? I never understood it. Right. I try to watch these popular people interact and I just didn't understand what they're doing, but I, I, I knew that I didn't have, it, right? Online, you just type, you know, and you know, and there'd be other people that you can be drawn to. You could talk, you, you're free, you're open. No one sees your face. You know, no one's worried about how ugly you are or how fat you are. So I had this clan uh, and the clan, we basically would play Starcraft together. It didn't matter if we were good or bad because those were my people. Um, I wanted to make a website for this clan. So I, I don't know where I started, but you know, little of me, again, I was somewhere between 10 and 12 years old. I went on to, I want to say it was either Yahoo or Ask Jeeves because Google was not yet a thing. Ask Jeeves wow. used to be the thing. crazy? And uh, I looked up thing. how to make a website. Okay. You know, so I started learning the basics, HTML, JavaScript, a lot of the same stuff that I still use today, um, just on a much simpler scale. And uh, I built this website. The most amazing thing about it was that you would put your mouse over one picture of a character in the game and it would turn into another character for the game. So it was totally groundbreaking uh, mm -hmm. at the time. Um, I think you hit on a lot of things there that are like, that are um, they're really important. And I think uh, one of them, first of all, um, first of all, I just want to hit on one of these things is that there seems to be a common theme about the people we keep interviewing is that they're gamers. Um, and we have like this thing that's like running on the podcast, which is like Brian. Brian's like the the brute dude who's like, ah, gamers, they're so stupid. Gamers when did are, I ever say? I've never said. Uh, don't stupid. come on. Don't. That's how don't. you feel. No, that's not how I feel. I've been telling him since we lived together in college that gaming is going to change the world, and it is right now. And it, he's, I was like, all the attention's there. I was like, it's going to grow into one of the most popular sports that you'll ever see in your life. I swear to God. And he never listened to me. He never listened to me. I always, I always text him like every, probably every like two months. And I'm like, Hey man, quick. I'll, I'll show him like stats on gaming. Besides the point, there seems to be a common trend that everyone that comes on here, that's like doing very well or has like a story to tell with us. And it's that they're gamers and it's kind of, it's kind of crazy because we keep seeing it. And then I just keep, I remember I always keep looking at Brian. And I'm like, you know, what, what I told so you. This originated when Bob and I were in college. This is how the conversation started. We were, wa we were watching some sport and Bobby throws out like, just wait, dude. Gaming is going to be bigger than baseball. football someday. Baseball. And I was like, it's never going to be bigger than football. And he was like, okay, maybe not football, but baseball. It will be bigger than baseball someday. And I was like, no way. Like, you can't tell me that human beings want to like sit and watch other human beings watch the screen. So I didn't, I came from a completely different thing where like my parents, it was almost more, they like, they wouldn't, they like on the weekends, I wasn't allowed to be in the house more than like an hour. Mm. So that's where I come from. Right. So like, I didn't understand it. We get out into the college, it, we get out of college. Bobby's like half jock, half like closet nerd. Right. Like, you know, he's right in between. So he gamed and was like, whatever. So he was kind of my bridge into that world. And since then, I, I, I haven't heard the end of it because he's beginning to start proving me right or wrong. And uh, I just look like a wiener for not, for not jumping on the bandwagon earlier. It's just something I wanted to throw out there. Um, but besides the point, um, just wanted <laughs> I just wanted to throw that out there again. It's just one of those key points I like hitting on. Um, besides the point, um, Russell, I think there's like some things that you hit on that are really important. Um, you found what kind of – who you, I think you like knew who you were like really early. So like – Regardless uh, of, like, I'm totally gonna disagree with you there. Because, really? Because like I feel like you're like passionate about like, like computers or like learning about like how how you could make things more efficient in terms of programming, and like you're able to run with that. And that's most people like don't really understand that early, right? Or am well, I wrong? Well, the from just from what I heard at dinner, so there's a reason why you got into it. So I want to hear about that, but I'll let you answer that first. Okay. I, I would say that, you know, for me, programming is a means to an end. Okay. At the end of the day, I build things. I, I happen to code, you know, but I'm interested in building businesses and building people and building relationships. Building software, yes, that happened to be something that came to me very, very early on, but it wasn't because I knew myself. In fact, I didn't know myself at all. You know, I, I was clueless about who I was. I was very insecure, full of self-doubt. Um, it was just something that kind of naturally landed in my lap. And it was a skill I was able to develop over time. It helped me through a lot of, a lot of tough times. You know, and thankfully, it ended up being something that you're able to use to build a profitable business at the end right. of the day. Well, you know, but for me, it's like just 
for example, my current company, like, yes, I build software, right? But ultimately, I'm looking to build a legacy. I'm looking to build up. I'm looking to build something good where I'm giving back to the community, where I'm helping people, where I'm helping businesses achieve their goals. I'm giving back. I'm, I'm helping people get where they want to be in their life, uh, helping people through tough times. I'm helping the people that I hire grow and become better versions of themselves. So it's all that common theme of building, right? Right. Programming is a tool. So you use programming as a tool to help people or like you want to help your goal. Your passion is you love helping people, but you use computing to help that. It's a means to an end. Yes. Right. So when you got into computing now, what drove you to get computing? Sorry. I, I, that's what he called it. I don't know. I just called it computing. Cause I, I, I couldn't come up with another word. I just picture myself sitting here like running algorithms with my head. <laughs> <laughs> there are bits flowing through my brain right now yeah. all day. Um, so you hit on something too. Like you, you said at that point in your life, right? You were going through some insecurity stuff. Yeah. And that's what drove you to get into the gaming type world because yes. you felt that that was a place where you could be yourself or that at least you could relate and have your own group and your own clan. So let's get to the meat of it. Let's talk about my real story. You know, we're at the very beginning, you know? Yeah. Gaming for me was my first drug. Gaming allowed me to escape reality and not have to face the fact that I was who I was. So I hated myself, okay? I was a fat kid. When I was five years old, a doctor sat me down and said, you know what? No one's ever going to love you because you're too fat. What? I was made fun of. I was bullied by my family. I was bullied in every school I went to. I was always told, you're no good, and it's because you're fat. You're a piece of shit. That's what I heard over and over and over again. When I played video games, hours passed. I got to escape from the reality of being me. Mm -hmm. Time passed. It was a drug. I used it all the way through high school. By my senior year of high school, I was 375 pounds. I was pushing 400. I don't know the total maximum. Obviously, I didn't like to weigh myself every day back then. Uh, yeah. I, I was up there, right? I was covered in acne, and I had this force field around me. You, you know, have you ever seen someone that you could just tell that there's so much negative emotion and so much hatred, whether it's towards themselves or the world around them, that you just kind of looking at them, they kind of push you away automatically without trying. They have that force field. That was me. Stay away from me. I'm no good. I'm a piece of shit. That's a story that I told myself. That's what I believed. There was nothing good about me. I didn't know myself. I wasn't thinking about helping other people. That's where I started, right? Yeah. So what was, other, that, what was that moment that it, like, it changed? So... <laughs> You know, it, it, it wasn't just like this, like, oh, right. all of a sudden now I'm in shape and, you know, I'm a good person. So we're going to have to go through the details yeah. to get there. All if, right? you, if you're okay with it. I mean, yeah, yeah. So we'll, we'll get, I'll make it short. I know we have limited time here. No, you're good. Again, I'm 18 years old. I'm in college. I'm 375 pounds. I've never kissed a girl. I don't have any friends. Again, I'm always studying the popular people, trying to figure out what's their strategy. You know, right. how, why do people like them and they don't like me? You know, right. why is yeah. it that I'm no good? I'm trying to figure this out. I'm studying people. I'm studying people. I'm studying people. One thing that I learned was my first crush, we were in a dare class, dare class. She was sitting in the back of the class with the bad kids laughing at the dare presentation. Drugs and alcohol are cool. That's what I learned. Drugs and alcohol are cool. If you want that girl to like you, drugs and answer, drugs and alcohol, that's the answer. Right. right? The problem was I had no friends. I couldn't get my hands. I remember trying to get some weed for a girl in high school and the dude sold me a bag of oregano and then I sold no it to her. Way. And next thing I know, there's these two guys at my front door telling my mom that I sold bad drugs and, and you know, that they're going to beat me up. Jeez. I had no luck. You know, I was just so socially <laughs> awkward. I couldn't catch a break. Uh, and then finally high school comes on almost 400 pounds. I hear about these people going to the beach for spring break. And I was like, you know what? I'm finally going to lose this weight for spring break. And one of these kids that had been bullying me, he said, Russell, you know, you've got so much fat on your body, you can go for months without eating and you'll be okay. And I took that to heart. And I developed an eating disorder. I'd go a week, 10 days at a time without eating any food. Then I'd eat a burger, get really depressed, go another week, 10 days. Uh, that escalated. I'd love to say it stopped there and, you know, I, I started eating again and everything was magical. No. Then I found out that if you do certain drugs that are stimulants, you, your metabolism speeds up, you have no hunger and you burn more calories. So then I, then I progressed to that. It only got worse, you know? I, I'm not, I'm not going to go into all the details. I'm not trying to, to bore you with the gruesome details. 
I'll just tell you that uh, by the time I was 20, I had been to jail probably half a dozen times. Um, I had two felony charges, uh, a DUI. Uh, I, you know, nothing was working for me at all. You know, I just kept messing everything up. Um, I, I had happened to lost a lot of weight on those, on those drugs, but the problem was, you know, that's not really a healthy way to do it. Right. You know, so of course I eventually gained it all back, you know, and I, I remember I was just, I was selling these timeshares was my first job in college. I'm trying to pay my Which way through college. Which is so impressive. All right. Sorry, they weren't timeshares. They were the timeshare preview packages where it's, all right, go, so go spend paying, three nights so, in Branson, Missouri. So you're and we'll paying you your way through college selling timeshares. Like I, yes. That was one of the things like when we were talking that I found to be like impressive because there's not many kids who are going to like go and sell timeshares to pay their way through college because, you know, they came from a place of scarcity. You know? Well, so, so that's the thing. Again, it wasn't me either, but I'm one of six kids. My family's living in Georgia. I'm in Texas. We have no money. I'm either going to pay my own rent or I'm going to be homeless, right? And thankfully, I was in Texas. I was able to rent an efficiency for 400 bucks a month and, and split it with another dude who was just as poor as I was. We didn't have hot water. We took cold showers. I don't even think we had electricity at first, so we didn't have a fridge, um, but we, we had somewhere to lay down at night. You know, I would get air mattresses and I was so fat, I'd pop them. You know, they didn't last very long, but, you know, I, I made it work. But what happened was, again, I'm studying the strategies. What makes people successful? Why do people like other people and not me? You know, I'm this shy kid. I'm afraid to talk to you. Again, I've got this force field. What's wrong with me? What's wrong with me? That's the dominant question in my life. What's wrong with me? Why am I right. so bad? Why does everyone hate me? Why do people hate me? Why am I shit? That's how I think. And I watch the people that are selling well, and they stand up, and they smile, and they talk with body language. And I'm like, hey, I want to afford a pack of hot dogs this week. I'm going to copy him because he makes sales. And if I make that sale, I get 75 bucks. So I copied him and I copied him and I copied him. And eventually I started reading this little book by a guy named Napoleon Hill. It's yep. called Succeed and Grow Rich Through Persuasion. And it was an application of the book, Think and Grow Rich, geared towards salespeople. I start consuming this stuff, reading as much as I can. Think and Grow Rich. I start getting into all the metaphysics, reading all these law of attraction books, getting in all that. I start becoming the number one salesperson week after week after week. I'm getting all the bonuses. I thought I was some hot shit. I was making like, I think one, one week I made like 800 bucks, which was amazing. You know, <laughs> a 20 year old in Texas, you know, with a drug problem, like 800 bucks is amazing. You know? Right. And, uh, and I, I really started to believe in that stuff. And, uh, that was probably the first turning point. Cause just to, to wrap up the story, the turning point was I'm leaving court one day. I'm already starting to succeed in sales, but I'm still goofing around and I'm leaving court and they just told me how much money I'm going to owe and how much I have to pay to avoid uh, going to jail. And uh, so I'm leaving court and I just hear this voice saying, Russell, you know, you can't mess around anymore. You know, your friends, they can afford to have that fun, you know, but you've made this mess for yourself, you know, and you gotta get serious with your life now. And things, again, it didn't 180 there. Things didn't magically get, get, get perfect, uh, but that's where it started. And from there, there actual progression. It started to go uphill. Obviously, there were a lot of these and a lot of these and all over the place. But I would say if I remember distinctly a, a moment where I made a decision that, okay, I'm going to move my life in a positive direction, that's the first one I remember. Awesome. Yeah, the only, the only reason I, I ask those questions is because, like, I know just from what I know about you, and obviously we have a lot to get to know about each other, but it, where you come from and where you're at now is just really impressive. Like, it's really impressive. And I think this podcast in general, we've had so many different people on who come from different backgrounds and they're doing rad stuff in their life. And, um, yours is one of the most impressive I've heard. So I, I think it's rad to tell that story because there's definitely a lot of people who can relate to it. I think it's a, it's, it's cool. Cause you know, usually on here it's, it's, we're pretty positive. I mean, Brian and I are usually pretty positive guys and we try to keep things positive. It's just think, you know, I'm just naturally a positive person. Um, so it's good to hear, you know, like, it's not that you're not positive, but it's good to hear like, this is where you had to do to get to where you're at. You know, like, this is what you had to go through to like get to a certain spot in your life to where you're like, okay, you know, I had to go through a lot of this shit in order to really experience like where I'm at now. Cause sometimes it's really hard to talk about that shit, you know, especially like the, for other people to hear. And so it's, it's really refreshing and it, and it really like is gonna, I'm sure it hit, hits home with a lot of people whether it be if it's not the same situation that you had or if it's a similar situation, but people, cause people all go through like crazy shit and it's just like most people, they just don't really show it. And, and so it's really good to hear at least for me right now. 
Yeah, I think it's I think it's refreshing just in the sense that like when you when you hear that story, it's not just someone who's trying to like come you know come from a place of like oh everything in my life's great you know and because um, there's some people who do that you know and it's it's rad to know that yeah let me tell you about that right yeah. so as I said you know I was I was doing, reading all these self help books and all these things so again I'm 20 maybe 21 years old and I get into my head that all these people that wrote these books are dead. And I'm the last person alive that has this information. And it's my mission <laughs> to share it with the world, right? So 20, 21 years old, spur of the moment, I decide that my mission in life is to share this with everyone. And I am now known as the success man. <laughs> I swear to God, I gave myself that name. I, again, I think the most money I ever made in a week was about seven, 800 bucks. That's I put huge. up a MySpace blog at the time and I just start writing all this stuff and I just start promoting it. And here's where life is freaking crazy and where I look back at my life and how I hold myself now and how I behave. I would have never done any of this, but it somehow got me to where I was today. So I started this thing. Everyone around me thinks I'm crazy. You know, I'm a laughing stock at my school, but I'm like, you know what? Successful people don't back down. I'm doubling down. This is what I'm doing. My family thinks I need to be admitted to a psych ward. And I just keep going for it. I just keep going for it. And I was ridiculous. I was this dumb kid just, you know, sharing stuff. But I, I was sharing from the heart. And I thought I was going to do some good in the world. I really, I used to visualize like I'm on Oprah, you know, I'm, I'm sharing this. And everyone's lives are getting so much better because, because of what I'm sharing. And that's what I used to picture. And it just so happens that I started this right after they opened Facebook to the general public. It was all college kids He's dating himself, everyone. Yeah, again, I'm 31. I know I'm kind of ancient. I shouldn't even know how to use a computer, but. <laughs> 31 you know. is ancient. Jeez. Thank you for helping me set this microphone up, by the way. I never would have been able to do this without you. Um, but they had just- <laughs> Do you know what a computer is? Do you know, you know how a computer operates or is that, is that past your age? No, dude, you just plug the mouse in and it works. <laughs> um, so anyways, I, I'm, I'm doing this, this blogging and I'm putting it out there and I get my blog up to like 100 views a day and I just keep promoting, keep promoting. Then they open Facebook up to the public. Yeah. And there's all these middle-aged, like real estate, um, you know, realtors and, and small businessmen and, and multi-level marketers and all these people that are seeing me doing this. I'm like, hey, I want to market on Facebook. And they start to actually follow me. Like, I have a fucking idea what I'm doing. I'm, again, I'm this dumb kid, you know. I'm stoned half the time. And I'm just trying to figure it out. And I, I think I'm doing good, you know. Yeah. And um, next thing I know, I met another guy out in Chicago. I'm in Texas. He's in Chicago. He's doing the same thing. We work together, we put together a social media marketing course. It's like eight weeks long. We charge between seven and 1300 bucks, depending on uh, what level you get. And I think we sold 20 to 40 of those things. And we we're in business. And I remember I'm in, my, I'm in my, my, my apartment in college and I had actually gotten kicked out of this apartment. Um, like a couple weeks earlier, I put like a boot on the door and I couldn't get in, you know, because I hadn't been able to make rent, right? But I'm in this apartment and I'm slamming on the ceiling. I'm hitting the ceiling. I was so excited. I'm seeing the sales coming on PayPal. You know, I'm just so stoked. And, uh, you know, we had a business, you know, and I, I actually made like five grand in a month or something like that, which was huge to me. I was, again, I was living in, in Texas. I was in college. I was a poor kid, you know. I didn't have anything, you know, and I, I made this with someone. So that, that progressed. Uh, next thing we knew, we met a couple guys that their whole business model was essentially they were affiliate marketers selling website hosting, and then they would build websites. I, using my computer science background, I built this software and we all worked together. They had the idea and I was the one that was able to build it that would put together a funnel and like realtors and different business owners that go through this website, put in their personal information. It would automatically make them a website on a hosting plan and we'd get paid $125 each. Wow. The thing was that, you know, well, well the first thing was, you know, we sold so many of these and all the risk was on the hosting company that within our first month, the CEO of the company is coming knocking and saying, you know what, you can't do this. This is too much risk, right? So now we're on the radar of this other thing, right? Uh, of this huge company, you know, and, yeah. and, and we're starting to partner up with this big hosting company. Um, number two was at that point, I had acquired six business partners. It was me, the other guy that was training, the two guys that came up with the website idea. Then we hired this big shot, multi-level marketer, um, he's actually kind of internet famous now, but I'm not going to give his name up because I'm horrified to be associated with him. Mm -hmm. um, and then he brought on his, his sales guys. So we had six partners. Uh, I was in Texas, two were in Chicago, one was in New York, two were in Virginia. And we said, all right, we're going to start a business. We're going to live together. So we, we managed to raise some money and we rented a McMansion in San Clemente, California. 
decided we were going to hire a film crew to film a reality show about ourselves, started this business, blew through all the money we raised and all the money we made in three months. So I moved across the country yeah. from Texas to California. This started with the blog, calling myself the success man, come out here. And next thing I know, I'm homeless in California. I got nowhere to live. Homeless in Holy California. Crap, dude. Jesus. See, I think the one thing that like I I go back to is just like for you, risk in your life took on a different definition than it, I would say the average person. Like you were willing to take on more risk, it seems like. And I don't know if it's because of the background or where you come from or like that you just you had gone to different lengths in that risky behavior that you're just like, you know what? Like I'm just gonna go follow this. I'm just gonna do what I know I wanna do. And he took a risk, like you traveled across the country and became homeless. When you say that, like, <laughs> I hope you know how impressive that is because like, like not a lot of people were willing to take that risk. So again, it's, uh, I was young. And when I look back on my life and who I am today, there's no way I would have done the things. I have the weirdest story. Like I, I, I like, put it, I'm like, wait, that was me. I actually did that. And now I'm here. How did that happen? You know, yeah. I can't tell you. Cause right now I can tell you, I just left my full-time job to start my company, you know? The company already has revenue. I'm safe. I can get a salary from it. And I'm afraid because I've got a mortgage now and I've got a dog now. And I'm not sure. But when I was 21, 25, I had nothing to lose. Right. And I had read in a book somewhere that if you want to be successful, you got to take a big risk. So not only did I not avoid risk, I was like, oh, risk. That's good. I want it. I didn't think the risk through. I was just like, okay, risk. Good. Go for it. And that, that's how I ended up here. Yeah. I feel that. Um, I think so you dude, were you like, so you were selling like, it's kind of cool that you were like on Facebook doing, so we, I, I don't know if Brian's told you about like the movement guys that we know and like how they did like their whole, they built like their whole business through social media and they built it mostly like through Instagram and Facebook, but you were even like before that, like you were before, yeah. like they even started doing like their social media and you were like, kind of, it was like, you were, you were one of the first people to like build a business on Facebook. Am I correct? What, what, right. what, what, what year was that? This was uh, 2007 to 2009 yeah, when I did most of my social media marketing. Before, you were way before the like social media boom. Because they weren't even, they don't even like, like you go to college, they aren't teaching classes on that at that time. They aren't teaching any like high Oh, community. no, not at all. Like build a business also, through Facebook. Is that even a thing? No, not at all. It was also the Wild West back then. No one knew how to use it. So the way to market on Facebook back then was you would create a group Mm -hmm. and add everyone to it and then use it as a mailing list because you used to be able to eat. So you would oh, add a bunch of friends gosh, and add wow. them to it. And then you'd go on Twitter, which Twitter is brand new, I think 2007, 2008, yep. somewhere in there. You'd go on Twitter, you'd follow hashtags, you'd tweet at influencers, you'd schedule tweets around the clock. And all you had to do was just schedule a tweet to go out like every hour, every 30 minutes. And I, I don't remember the exact number, but I had something like 40 to 50,000 followers on Twitter. Really? Just from scheduling tweets and following the right hashtags. Like it was insane but I didn't know what to do with it, you know? And right. again, I, I still like, no one did at that time though. But like, again, no I still also, I was still like using some drugs and drinking for them done. So I do this and then I get on Twitter super drunk and I'd like just be talking the most ridiculous nonsense stuff. So I could never build any credibility for me, for myself. Right. You know? And that kept happening until uh, 2011. Uh, 2011 was when I quit drinking. Right. But before then I would build something, I'd lose it all. I'd build something, I'd lose it all. I'd build something. I'd raise $350,000, move to California. Next thing I know, I'm homeless. Next thing I know, I'm 350 pounds again. I've got no friends, no family nearby. And when I wasn't drinking, I was completely just, I, I didn't know how to live with myself because I was so bored, so uptight. I didn't know how to at least the energy. I was just happy and I had no way to get out of it. Right. So you were going, uh, so that was my life. You're going highs, lows, highs, lows, highs, lows, but you're like, you're shooting hard and then you're, you're going down hard, but you're learning consistently. But I would also say like, Are you? Um, I've heard like a lot of things. It's like almost um, like self-sabotage too. Yeah. I mean, well, remember the driving question in my life was what's wrong with me? Yeah. Why am I man. such a piece of shit? Why does everyone hate me? I love that back, man. I love that was what got, so of course I'm going to find a way to mess up. You know, I can't have money. There's something wrong with me. I can't have a girlfriend. There's something, I can't not weigh 350 pounds. There's something wrong with me. What is it? What is it? What is it? Is it this? Is it this? Is that the, the, the matter at the end of the day, I wasn't able to start figuring any of that out until I stopped drinking. Right. Once I stopped drinking and I was able to be consistent 
and not start throwing away my success every time I got it, I was able to start getting peace of mind, able to start getting clarity, able to start having little successes that built on top of each other. I would no longer get a client, then get really drunk and embarrass myself in front of them. So that was the foundation of everything, right? You're so like chasing, that, you're chasing acceptance of yourself. Like, yeah, but you could, you could say I was going high and low and high and low and learning, but I don't think I was learning. Right. I was finding different ways to fail, you know? Yeah. I don't think success was an option that, that back then, despite how much I would have said I wanted success. Because I, I don't story. think I would ever allow myself to have because of your the way story, I was. right? Because your story, you know, stems back, and this is why I wanted to go into it. But your story from twelve-year-old you, right, when you went back to all the way to the beginning, was I'm not good enough, and then you followed it goes that back story. To five-year-old, the doctor oh, sitting me God down. Damn, no one's ever gonna love you. But you know what? No one's ever gonna love you. And being through the Tony Robbins stuff, like, and this is me assuming, but like that, I wouldn't even say. Um, weakness but that part of your life is why you're so great now because you've learned to create greatness out of it it's, correct me if i'm wrong i don't so i i can't say hey i, I wouldn't call myself great I, I i have a better life now than i used to have absolutely okay. you know yeah greatness is is you know it's it's in the eye of the beholder I, you will I you know you're always striving for that you know um, Brian's I'm an achiever, area. right? So yeah, I always yeah. want to take it to the cool. next level. It's, it's never good enough, right? I can always do better, right? So I'm not going to sit here and say I'm great or talk about how awesome I am, right? Right. Um, but what I will say is you talked about the highs and the low, right? If you go down here, you can come up here. You, you know what it feels like, right? right. And if, if you start down here and you have to struggle and fight to survive and to have things, you know, you're going to build, 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 and eventually you're going to get that stability, but you've still got that same fight in you, right? And you can take that fight and you can, you, you can use it to keep building uh, greater things. I'm not saying you need to come from a bad place you know, to do good things with your life. A lot of people don't, um, but I, I do know, and you probably know people like this too, a lot of people that never had to fight for anything, never had to earn anything, have kind of had a lot of things handed to them, and they're good people, and they could be, they could be good fathers, good wives, you know, good sons, good daughters, they, they can, they can go to church, they can do all that stuff, but they don't necessarily have the same hunger and the same drive. But again, they could have it for different reasons. People have it for completely different reasons. Yeah. But a lot of people will have that drive because they came from some kind of dark negative past and that planted the seed that I want to change this. Then once they realize they can change this, it's game what on. else can I change? What else can I do? How else can I harness what's inside of me? Awesome. Where do we, what was the last part that we left off on your, on your story? So I moved to California and I'm homeless. Homeless. All right. Uh, so thankfully there was a guy that did work for the company. Um, he had previously worked for the company and he became my landlord. He gave me a crazy good deal on rent and I'm sleeping on a pile of clothes out here in Irvine, California. Again, I'm 350 pounds. Every time I buy an air mattress, I pop it. You know, I, I can't keep that going for very long. Um, <laughs> But, you know, I'm sleeping on this pile of clothes. And then that, that, that time was when I got sober. We started to build the business up a little bit again. I go to a networking event in Vegas, make a total ass out of myself on the first night. And, you know, we had a little bit of money in the bank. I drained all the bank accounts. I was, I was out drinking. I don't really remember what happened. And just the next day, I'm in the shower, and I feel like I can't wash the dirt off myself. And I just feel this bottomless hole in my stomach, and I'm just like, what's wrong with me? You know, why can't I get it together? I thought I was past this. I thought I was the success man, you know? I thought I could build these businesses, but why do I keep making an ass out of myself every time I drink? And uh, that was enough for me to make a decision. I haven't drank since. That was um, it. So from that point, um, I was able to eventually leave that business. I built it with a partner and eventually, you know, he, he had like all the ownership. I had nothing. I made a really bad deal for myself. I exited that business. I had met people through that business. I used that to build my first consulting company. I grew that consulting company for years, um, became a very successful um, business for me. What kind, of, what kind of consulting? Uh, software. So I was just, I had developed a niche for myself. Um, I was very, very skilled and experienced in building affiliate marketing systems mm -hmm. and online sales funnels and membership sites and online social networks where essentially let's just say you have a product to build. Uh, you can come to me, you have a product to sell you can come to me and I can build you the full website to sell it, to pay people to selling it for you. Uh, to give the members access to it, to create a community where the members can talk to each other. I did all of that. I specialize in, I also specialize in making the websites blazing fast because when you're dealing with online sales, every millisecond counts. 
Right. One millisecond can decrease your conversions by really? 10, 20%. Your, it's attention, right? So you got to keep the attention yeah. and you got to make so sure you convert that attention into money. Everything needs to be testable. The marketers need to know like, hey, if I change this with that, does it sell more? Uh, and, and, you know, you, it's a certain set of skills that you need. Again, it's probably not the, the best use for talented engineers. Like, all right, like people go get a PhD just so they can learn how to, you know, sell one more product for every thousand visits. It's probably not the most fulfilling thing. Mm. But it's how I built my first business. And eventually, I had a client that I really liked. And uh, I really believed in what they were selling. And I decided I was going to invest everything I'd saved up in them. And I joined them as a partner. Nice. Um, at first, we were doing really well. We were, you know, I was making a, a decent salary. Uh, but then after a couple of years, things slowed down. I went a couple of years without any income, just living off credit cards. And before I knew it, three years ago, I was about $200,000 in debt. I was burnt out. I'd been building this company for years. I had nothing left to my name, no energy. You know, my mind's like, hey, why don't you just get more clients? Why don't you rebuild the consulting business? And I just didn't have it left in me. You know, I was mm -hmm. tired. I was worn out. And um, eventually, after one month when I could barely make my rent, um, I finally decided it was time for, for me to get a job. And uh, that's when I got in the job hunt. And I actually, for the first time in my life, remember, I started this company in college. I did this, that, the other thing. I finally decided to go and, you know, do what most responsible adults do. And I became employed. Where were you, uh, what was the, if you don't mind, what was the job? Uh, so the job was, it was a software development, actually. Okay. Um, so I, went, I go ahead and I interview everywhere and I talk to a bunch of different places. At the end of the day, I had uh, two offers that, that, yeah. I, that I kept. A couple I had just rejected out, you know, outright. One was director of engineering at a publishing company. And they made blogs and, you know, they specialized in like online publications about pets and cigars and wine and stuff like that. And I already knew how to do everything they were doing and it was a perfect fit. And I go in as a director and I'd be comfy. I'd be the smartest guy in the room. I'd make a good salary, you know, and, and it was the right job for me. The other one, I went in and I interviewed as a senior software engineer, totally bombed the interview. They came back <laughs> and they said, you know what? We will make you an offer as a mid-level engineer. If you come here, you know, that, that title, it's about four or five below director of engineering. Uh, they said, if you come here, you know, you can make... 50 grand less and you'll make it this other, at this other opportunity. But the people I interviewed were so smart. I could tell they were all better engineers than me. And I said, you know what? If I want to learn and I want to grow, I'm going to go work somewhere. I need to get something out of it, right? right. I don't want to just get a paycheck. I want to come out a better version of myself. You know? So I said yes to that company. I took the pay cut and I just went in on fire. I had something to prove, right? So my goal was like, all right, so these guys are seniors. I guess I'm a mid-level. I'm going to outperform every single senior in here and I'm going to do it every single week. Right. So I did that over and over and over again. Within six months, I had gotten the senior title. Six months after that, I was the lead. And I stayed with that company for three years. In fact, today was my last day at that company. Yeah. So that's cool. Like you, you, you use the job as a learning experience. Like you, you didn't just go into that to be comfortable. You like, you were like, I'm going to make sure I go to the top, but I'm going to learn on the way. You have one life. Right? I just spent three years at this job. If I live to 100, I'm really lucky, right? But that's 3% of my life. I could have wow. happily stayed there for three more years. I still had a lot more learning to do. That would have been 6% of my life. What if I stay there for 10 years? That's 10% of my life if I'm lucky. A lot of people don't make it past 65, you know? So if I'm going to give 3%, 6%, 10% of my life to something, I need to come out 300%, 600%, 10,000%. I know that math is wrong better than I came in, right? I get it. Or else it's not worth it. Cause what am I going to do? Go into somewhere three years later, come out the same person I was three years ago. And then what am I going to do? I've always gotten, am I going to build another failing business? You know, am I going to go be the director of the dog magazine then? No, <laughs> that's not what I want. Right? So in life, the, the best payments I can get is growth. You know, for me, it's worth throwing away that extra forty, fifty thousand dollars a year, whatever it was, because you know how much a college education costs. You know, a lot more than that, right? But here, I'm paying that, and I'm learning more, and I'm learning faster than I will in college. So, how can I take that and make myself better? How can I level up, no matter what I'm doing? So, any kind of step I want to make in my career, it needs to be on that path of I'm here, and I want to be here. So take me there. And how can I make those big steps instead of small steps? I don't want to be, you know, that, that CTO, that, that C-level executive when I'm 60. 
You know, I want to be outperforming him when I'm 35. So if I'm going to do that, I need to be doing better than he does now. I need to be learning like he does now. And the only way I'm going to get that is by throwing myself into uh, situations that make me uncomfortable. Got it. Got it. It sounds to me like, again, I, I keep going back to like the, the risk reward thing. It's the way you look at things is so, I wouldn't say atypical, but it's just different than I guess the average millennial, right? Like a lot of people, like they want the title, like I'm CEO or I'm Mr. Important, right? Or I'm making more money than the next person. But for you, your, your payment is who you're becoming. So let me tell you this. I've been CEO of a company that's worth nothing. It does nothing for you. I was 26 making more in a month than, than I used to make in a year, than a lot of people make in a year. I'm not going to give specific numbers. And I was miserable. I was working just for myself. It doesn't do shit for you. You know what makes, you know what's good for life? Getting better, growing, giving back, having family, having people that you love, surrounding yourself with like-minded people. You know, that's what fucking matters. I don't care what my title is. I don't care what my salary is. Am I moving in a positive direction? Yeah. Surrounding yourself with better people, you know, like people that you can like learn from, right? Like you, you surrounded yourself with better people. Like when you went to that other job. So it's like you had to learn or you fail. So it's like putting yourself in an uncomfortable position to succeed. Right. Absolutely. So if I had to tie it all back, right. And we go through like the life story a little bit, like you're always searching of like, how can I be that person? How can I like be like those people, be like those people, be like those people. And it seemed to the point where like when you're in that shower, right after that night in vegas that like i hate to take you back there i'm sorry no no it's for it's great but like just like those everyone picture me in the shower for a minute (laughs) all right you got that i'm doing that sorry (laughs) but you know know what i mean i like like there there came a point where like you stopped trying to make everyone like you and the self-sabotage stopped and you became the person that you were destined to be and that's a person of giving not not trying to get from other people, if that makes sense. That's how I perceive it anyways. That's just the way my brain works. But for me, I just think that that's a rad story to be, to be quite genuine with you. And yeah. just, just, I'm definitely in no way, shape, or form saintly. I can tell you two weeks ago, I was stressed and I was burnt out and I was tired. And it's because I was only focusing on myself. Mm-hmm. it's not something where you just flip a switch overnight and it's like, Oh, now I just give to people. But what I will tell you is that I know for a fact, it feels better when your purpose, your mission, your focus is on giving, giving back, putting energy out to do good for the people around you. So it's not like, all right, now, now I'm perfect. Life will never no, be the same. Yeah. That shit doesn't happen. No one just flips the switch and everything is different overnight. No. Right. Uh, unless you go through some extremely like traumatic, you know, situation or something that really, really, makes you like, you know, a near death experience. Those kind of things will change people instantly. But generally speaking, it's more like once I've identified where I want to be, I can start to calibrate myself and I can start to take my temperature and realize when I'm not there. I love it. Calibrate myself and take my own temperature. I like that. I don't know why. So, um, now, now we've gone through kind of where you got to and how you got there. Um, now, where, where are you at now? What, 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 what did you quit your job for? And where are you going to go in the future to like right now? All right. Thanks for asking. I, so I'm not putting too much information out about it publicly right now. Mm-hmm. But I will tell you my new company is Kingsman Digital Ventures. It's awesome. You can check us out at kingsman.cc. K-I-N-G-S-M-E-N dot C-C. Uh, we are a software company. We do build software. And... I will say that my purpose with it ultimately, again, it's not just making money. There's an element of giving back, but that's all I can say right now. Okay. Um, but, but we're here for, with a purpose, you know, and the purpose is to serve those that we work with. I love that. So you're a charity. No, we're definitely yeah. not. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, well, that's exciting. I mean, I mean, it takes a leap. Like I've, I know I, I've recently did it, you know, to get rid of a, job and kind of just do it on your own and where you have to set like your own standards of how you want to do things um it's a big leap and uh it's it's really cool to see that happening and kind of like how you've evolved to get there and uh kind of like how you've you've kind of learned from everything to get to where you're at i mean 
look at you, your fucking tone, you're, you're, you're working out. <laughs> Dude, what do you, what, so talk about, talk about, you know, like, cause you've been talking, I mean, you've been talking about how big you were or whatever. Like talk about now, like your, what's your gym regimen? What's going on now with that? Like how, did, how did you transform like that? I train three days a week for 45 minutes. Three days a week for 45 minutes. Is it yep. more just like eating? I do use my fitness pal. I have macros that I hit. I have a nutritionist that tells me what to hit and I follow his, his, his plan. But let me, let me just level with you guys. Two years ago, I was back up to 290 pounds. Mm. Um, I had gotten pretty ripped. I was like 230 at one point. You know, I was doing the whole, you know, 24 hour fitness, lift big weights, yeah. you know, take a lot of supplements kind of deal, you know? Yeah. And you know, things happen. I got stressed out. The business failed. I started eating again. Mm. Um, I hurt my ankle um, sparring in Muay Thai. Or no, I hurt it in a mosh pit. I had another injury from Muay Thai. By the way, he um, loves mosh pits. I love bit. mosh pits. Uh, <laughs> best people on earth. It's, it's a circle of love. Um, and I'm on the couch and I'm out of work and I'm playing PlayStation. You know, I'm playing Destiny if anyone played that. And I'm just like eating and I'm eating carrot cake. I, I had this new girlfriend. She loved carrot cake. And, you know, she showed me the best carrot cakes, but I had to have it every single day, you know, because I'm depressed. And if I eat, I'm going to feel different. You know, just shitty thinking, right? Anyway, two years ago, I'm 290. My testosterone is incredibly low. Um, I'm allergic to almost everything I'm eating. I'm constantly getting really? sick, constantly running to the bathroom in a lot of pain. I go to every doctor. They finally just say, you know what? It's IBS. You know, there's nothing we can do. It's just, you know, God. your stomach hurts sometimes. Uh, and then I, I didn't have, I mean, I, I was out of options. I started to think, well, maybe I'm just going to be fat. And uh, my buddy, my buddy Luke, but someone who's actually like on you, this live cast right but now. someone like you is not going to accept that. There's no way. I started to, you know, I was, I was in a lot of self-doubt. I was, again, I wasn't in a positive place. You right. know? No no one's just thinking one way all the time. You know, it takes reinforcement. You got to be around the right people. Yep. You got to be focused on growth. It's so easy to do a 180 and, 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 and start moving backwards. It's so easy. And, and I did that. And mm -hmm. my buddy, Luke, who's on this call right now, uh, Luke, I love you. You're the man. Um, hi Luke. <laughs> right, I'm sorry. He is on the Instagram live right now. Not on the podcast. Yeah. This is not a call. Um, he, uh, He's like, you know, I heard of this really great place in Irvine. It's called Stark. You're going to love it. They, they, it's all scientific. They have doctors. They have nutritionists. They have trainers. They have chiropractors. I go in there and I say, you know, I'm going to come for three months. You know, I'm willing to invest. And it costs like two grand a month, you know? Really? And, yeah. And wow. I'm still paying off the debt from the business. You know, I'm in no place to afford two grand a month, but this is my health we're talking about, you know? Um, I was recently single again, you know, and I was just like, you know, I don't oh, yeah, like the way I look. Yeah, we're the mix, baby. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So, uh, yes. Yeah. I want to look like Brian. You know, I'm not, trust uh, me, I'm nothing to strive for right now. Anyway, so I, uh, I go to this place, Stark, and uh, the doctor tests all my food allergies, finds out what's, um, what I'm allergic to. Doctor works for the nutritionist. Nutritionist says, okay, here's what you're going to eat when you're going to eat it. The chiropractor finds my injuries because I've herniated this in my lower back. Wow. I have multiple injuries. The chiropractor works with the trainer to figure out how to strengthen me where I'm weak so I can actually start squatting and deadlifting again without hurting myself. There it is. They put together the whole plan. I stay for three months. I'm seeing results. I'm like, all right, I got three more. All that for I, two grand? Uh, a month, right. Yeah. So I, I was training one-on-one -on -one like four times a week. I was doing all this stuff. And then um, six months in, it's like, all right, it's time for me to leave. And this is actually how Kingsman Digital Ventures started. Uh, the doctor at Stark is giving me an injection of like B12 and other vitamins. Really? And he's like, hey, you build software. Do you think you could build this an app? And I was like, yeah, probably. And then I talked to the owner and, you know, we're all stoked. Like, I want to keep training there. You know, I could use the extra income. He needs an app. You know, so we come up with something where we're able to work together. And then the only thing that's left is, you know, when you're building an app, it's one thing to have a technical person that can make it really ugly. You want it to look good. You want it to feel good. You want it to be intuitive. All right, so I start interviewing all these designers, uh, user experience designers. There you go. Thank make you. the users happy. And uh, <laughs> I'm going through them back to back. Decent or whatever. And then I remember there's this one name that I had gotten in a competition with at Stark. We're both on the leaderboard for the summer sizzler competition. Whoever burns the most calories wins. And he, uh, I would always beat him. And then he'd come out of nowhere and smoke me on the weekend. He'd go for these 30 mile bike rides. And I was like, Oh, screw this guy. And then I learned he's actually the brother of someone I work with. So I'm like, Hey, is that guy brand your brother? He's like, yeah, you know, he's, he's, he's an awesome UX designer. And I was like, Oh, all right. So then six months later, I'm interviewing UX designers for this app. I completely forgot about Brandon. And I was like, hey, let's, uh, let's interview this Brandon guy. He works out at the gym yeah, too. Yeah. Brandon and I start working together. We, we build an amazing app. 
We build great software together. We have a really great relationship, good rapport. And, uh, you know, a year and a half later, that's, that's the business. So again, I'm not going to go into too many details about exactly what the business does, but it all started, you know, you want to talk about risk. You want to talk about fate and like, I don't know what it is. Just like how I started this, this MySpace blog when I was high and I was 21 years old, I started this gym. I said, I'll stay for three months, took the leap of faith, even though I couldn't afford it. Six months later, they become my first client. Now that's my full-time gig. Voila. Crazy how life works like that. I would just, can I give you my opinion from an outsider? Like the new thing that you're doing, it seems to bring a lot of the things that you've talked about and bring them full circle. Like, like the giving and the growing and the taking risks, like it's combining all three. And so I'm really excited to see how it turns out and where you're, where you're taking it from here. But it seems like it, it incorporates like a lot of the aspects that you just talked about from your life journey. But that's why I'm excited about it. That's why I keep like tying everything back. Cause it like, there was definitely a path, even though like there's different things that came together, they seem like they're coming together right now for this thing that you're doing. And it just seems rad, man. And here's why I, I, I know it's for obviously you never know <laughs> guys just to be completely level with you. I'm fucking scared. I'm scared to death. I haven't taken this kind of risk. I haven't started the company in like seven years. I'm in my thirties. Now there was a lot less to use when I was long. Like yeah. you said, you have a dog. I don't want, no, no. I don't want to be three years down the road again in a quarter million dollars of debt saying, fuck, I just totally derailed my career. I could have been at this level by now. It's a huge risk. It's scary, you know, but I would rather take that chance than chance three years from now wondering like, Hey, what if I had really tried to start that company when I was 31? Yeah. Because then I'm 35 and I'm doing that. I mean, what about when I'm 40? Like, Hey, I wonder what I could have done if I started the company when I was 35. When I'm 50, I wonder what I could have done if I started a company. There's never a good freaking time. It's always going to get harder. There's always going to be more skin in the game. But no matter what, the correct answer is at some point, you just got to say, fuck the fucking fear and just go for it. And let's see what's happened. And let's use this fear as ammunition. Yeah. You know, that fear is worth listening to. So in the past, I used to say like, no, you got to listen to Tony Robbins. You got to, you know, listen to Napoleon Hill. Throw the fear away. Ignore it. It's there to sabotage you. Like, no, it's there to help you. You know what that fear means? It means you can lose your house. So don't sleep in till 10. Yeah. Start your day at six. Get to fucking work. Ah. It's on you. That's yes. what it means. Yes. So you got to listen to it. You know, it's there to help you out. I Dude, it. I totally agree. I like, it's like at some point you got to stop listening, like, and just like absorbing knowledge and just fucking do it. You know, like it's just at, at some point you can only do so much to where it's just like, we got to just do it. Can you hear me? Uh, we're, we're figuring out his live feed here. There yeah. you go. Oh. I thought you guys couldn't hear me. No, you're good. Um, so Bob, do you have anything you want to tie up here? Um, I kind of just want to hear like, I mean, I think we've hit on everything and I think it's, it's just really great to hear everything about that. Um, I think we want to hit on probably the B2B question. I think yeah. that's, that's where we should go with this. Yeah. So, so Brian always asks this question. It's, it's the, it's the tie up pretty much. Yeah. So I, the B2B podcast stands for a couple of things. It stands for Brian and Bobby stands for be who you want to be. Mm. Um, and ultimately what it comes down to is we like inter doing these interviews with young people who are still in their journey because we feel like a lot of millennials can relate to it. But ultimately, it's a tough question. Sometimes it mind bottles people. But who is Russell when he's being who he wants to be? Who is Russell when he's being who he and wants to be? And you can take your time. No, no, it's clear as day. I'm surrounded okay. by people. I'm helping them. That's what I'm doing. Cool. So, I, secret, I'm an introvert, right? Okay. I need to go home and recharge on my own and not talk to anyone, right? <laughs> but when I am living my best life, I have the energy and I'm out there, I'm helping people in one form or another, you know? And for me, the measure of my success is how many people am I positively impacting? That could mean I'm going to the soup kitchen and feeding 800 people in a day, right? That's great. But what about starting a company that feeds 800 families every night? What about feeding 800,000 families every night? You're you know? a grower, yeah. What about helping 800 people start companies that feed 8,000 people every night? What does that feel like? What level of impact, what level of influence can you have on this life, right? So. <laughs> If there's the sea of people, the sea of energy, you know, where is my energy going and how good of an impact is it having on others? You know, what color is it? Is it dark and, and depressed? Do I have that shield up? Am I rejecting people and pushing them away? You know, or am I making people a little bit lighter? Am I, am I helping people smile more? Am I helping people enjoy their lives a little bit more? You know, 
am I creating that ricochet effect? That's, that's, that's how I measure it. Cool. That's what it's all about. I love it. Well, um, I mean, Russell, I didn't get to, I didn't get to sit down with you at an airport and get to know you a little better, but I got to do this with you and thank God because that really kicked me really. I really got a kick in the ass right there. It made me feel like shit, this guy's doing all this. Like I need to be doing other things, especially when you started talking about stop sleeping until 10 fucking get up at six and get, and get your fucking shit together. No, no, no. You start uh, working at six. You get up at four 30. Come on. Bro. There you go. My Ooh. bad. My bad. You, you gotta meditate. You gotta get, you gotta get, you gotta do, get, your do you, can, can we, before we tie this up, cause I, I saw on, your yeah. Instagram on the way over here. Um, I, I started meditating about a year ago. And so I'm interested to hear your techniques and what stuff you're like. I, so my Instagram profile is from like five years ago just, and, you know. and I was an avid meditator at the time. And for me back then, meditation meant, can I just, you know, quiet my mind and try to listen for the answers, you know? And it was very close to prayer almost, you know, like I, I don't follow a specific religion, yeah. but I do try to kind of center myself with the universe, if you will, and connect with the people. That's the difference is if I'm in my head, that's all I hear. If I'm connected, I can actually notice you and what you're doing and I can kind of hear you and, and connect with what you're feeling. So how can I connect more with what's around me instead of myself? Um, I didn't meditate for a couple of years. I got burnt out on it. You know, I used to meditate and journal every single night and every wow. single morning. And one night I just wrote, I'm not in the mood in the journal. I had books and books full of these journals. And one night I just said, I'm not in the mood for this. Never did it again since. That was three years ago, okay. four years ago. Um, just two weeks ago, I started meditating again because A, my doctor said, hey, your testosterone is low and the best thing for you to do is meditate. And I'm just like, screw that, I don't wanna meditate, you know? But then, you know, I, where I met you at the seminar, I, I remembered that, hey, you can actually be, feel good and be happy, you know? And you've been pretty grumpy lately. Maybe you should try meditating again, right? So all I'm doing now is I tell my, my Echo, my Amazon Echo, I'm not gonna say your name in case there's one in this room, She's I, downstairs, so yeah. she, we can leave her down. There. I tell her to give me a five-minute meditation, and she chimes, and I just lay there, and I just try to watch my thoughts. What, what, what app does she use? Um, Peaceful Habit, I think it's All called. Right. You can just set a five-minute timer, though. It's not a big deal, right? I do that, and I just try to watch my thoughts, and then at the end of the five minutes, I guarantee I'm, I'm tripping over something. I'm daydreaming on something, but I just try to realize the more I can catch myself and I was, wait, you're not meditating anymore. You're thinking again, the yeah. better. And I just try to grow in that direction. Yeah. The other thing I do is I love core power. Core. I love core power. Me, and, me and Bobby have done it. Core restore core yoga is awesome. I'm a big core power guy. You hold positions for a long time. Um, the, the instructor will kind of remind you to let everything go and to focus on your breath. And I find that very meditative. So I do that once a week as well. I try so, to do it yeah, every, once every like two weeks. I try to do it at least. It, so, like, it like helps. It, it feels good. And, and I guess it feels great. Oh my dude, God. It feels yeah. good. And it like cleansing and it's like a workout. I mean, it's a, it's a fucking workout. Well, so the specific type of yoga I'm talking about, is called restorative yoga and it's not a workout. It's oh, really, I, but they do that at core power too, right? Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's a lot more like meditation, but it also helps yeah. for me. Like I said, I have like some back pain, stuff like that it helps me loosen everything up. Um, but normal yoga is amazing too. I used to get up at, you know, five every morning and, and do yoga for 30 or 60 minutes every morning before work. And, not only did it take all the pain away, I was pretty, I was pretty chill. Too, so. Yeah. So uh, I'm interested to hear what the doctor said of why, you, why meditation helped with testosterone. Because um, testosterone, and I'm not a doctor, I don't know mm -hmm. for sure, but my understanding is that high stress levels lead to low testosterone. Interesting. And meditation can offset stress. Interesting. Good. So Good if it's know. some way to to regulate your body and maybe Something it's to do with your cortisol levels, I'm sure. Sure. Yeah. And it also, I'm sure it has to do with like, if you can just actually focus on breathing deeply, you know, if you're regulating your body by regulating your breath, do the regulated hormones follow? Yeah. Got it. I don't know. Right. All right. Well, I'm, I'm glad I got that little bonus right there about the meditation because I, I, I'm, I've recently got into some stuff on it. Bob, you got anything else to tie up for this guy? Um, no, like I said, uh, I, I, uh, it was really good getting to know you. Um, I'm sure I'm going to be seeing you around because I'm going to be coming up to Newport a little bit more. Um, but, uh, like I said, it was really refreshing to like hear that, like kind of like the downs of someone and then kind of them on the way up. Um, instead of just hearing, you know, all positive, it, it, it's, it's cool to hear that. And, uh, I'm really excited for what you have going on. Um, eventually I want to talk to you more offline about this, the whole Kingsman thing, but I'm sure we'll be able to talk about that later, but I'm really excited to hear about it. And uh, yeah, it was really cool to learn about you.
All right. Thank you. Thank you for having me, guys. I really appreciate the opportunity. Thanks. Thanks for coming on, bro. Good to know you. All right. Um, do you want to sign it off, Brian? Yeah, we did the B2B, didn't we? Yeah, I know, but I wanted you to like, come on, make it, come on. You want me to bring some energy? Yeah, give me something. Be who you want to be, crush the day, be more like Russell, go conquer life, live with risk, enjoy every day, and grow. Cool. Thanks, guys.